watch cartoons We'll take a look back at where we've been So let's hop into our time machine Hello and welcome to another episode of Cartoon Time Machine. I'm Scarlett. I'm Katie. We're your animates and today uh, after a few weeks of uh, me getting Katie to watch movies that I want uh, to watch, uh, Katie has responded with a a pick of their own. Um, Katie, you want to tell us about what movie you uh, had me watch and and we're going to discuss today? Indeed, I picked... Uh, an older animated film. I picked a 2009 film uh, by the Australian independent studio uh, called Mary and Max. It's wild to hear 2009 as an older film, by the way. Like, I know that it was like 15 years ago, but it it feels like that should have been like a few years ago. So thanks yeah, for making fair. me feel old. World. Um, World. Overall, it's a very well-reviewed film that's considered one of those, like, top indie animated films to watch. Um, it's also uh, stop motion, which is always fun. It is. It is fun. Just double check if it got any fun awards. Not really. No, yeah, it seemed like it kind of uh, passed under under the radar a little bit. Well, that at looks like that point fantasy. in animation because this was how many years would the oscar have existed for animated films i think about eight years i think 2001 was the first year because both because shrek won and monsters inc was nominated that's what i thought um and i would i would say adult oriented animation not Mm -hmm. winning a lot back then no that's true just starting to break down the animation as a medium for everyone yeah, and I think in like the place, I think it was really only comedy adult animation that was like making strides because like The Simpsons had been on for a long time. By that point, even South Park and Family Guy had been on for a long time. Uh, this film is adult animation. It is not a comedy. No, there there is certainly dark humor in it. Yeah, I would not call it a comedy. No, I would call this a drama. Yeah, it's a drama. I mean, whatever. There, we can break down genre all day, but I, I wouldn't exact. I, you know, it's it, the the official description of Wikipedia is comedy drama. Um, I, I wouldn't even. I mean, I don't know. Those those two things like that in terms of like such a widespread genre. Like, comedy is a film that makes you laugh. Drama is a film that makes you cry. Like, films that do both are drama comedies, I guess. Um, Excuse you, dramedies. Dramedies. Sorry. Or. A Shakespeare play. I hate Shakespeare, oh. to be fair. So Wow, hot take from Katie. Hate Shakespeare. You cannot pay me most of the time to sit through a production of Shakespeare. What about Midsummer Night's Dream? It's just four horny idiots in the woods. It's been a long time since I've seen that one. It's just four horny idiots in the woods. <laughs> The thing is, the language doesn't make sense. I don't speak old English. It's very confusing. My brain no compute. That, that's that's probably fair. Yeah, I in mean, some ways, I relate to the characters and their inability to understand certain social cues. I don't understand old English Shakespeare social cues. I mean, yeah, I don't. I also don't really speak old English. You, that's why it's like not really meant to be read. You kind of have to like watch it being done and like not really listen to the words, but more just like get the vibes. 
100 i don't know we're not talking about shakespeare gibberish we're not we're talking about this wonderful claymation film that might make you cry yeah, I mean, this is, you know, in in we talked uh, recently about uh, the film that I brought uh, to the table, uh, Adventures of Mark Twain as a claymation movie. And this is also a not while not officially claymation, because I think that's like a copyrighted term. Um, it is definitely within very much that same visual style. Um, it was really just enjoyable to watch. Like I I really uh, listeners, I had like no idea what this was going to be. Katie had proposed it and I was like, OK, well. I guess it's my turn on the strange movie list and strange foreign movies, especially being your specialty. Like I was like, okay, like, I guess I'll watch this. I guess like maybe I'll like, you know, just throw it on and see what it's like and maybe pay attention. Um, But I was really, really drawn in. Like I, I really, I found the storytelling uh, to be very compelling. Um, I I really enjoyed watching. It's a very soothing narration. It is. It is. Because it really is just for most of the movie. It's just these two voices narrating their lives to each other. So you get into a really nice comforting cadence, which I think really does replicate the feeling of letter writing, um, which most of the film is based on. Um, But here, Katie, why why don't you give a a summary of the movie since it's your your pick? Yeah. So it's it's based about the two titular characters. Uh, Mary is a young girl growing up in Australia to a quite dysfunctional family. Um, That's putting it mildly. Rather, yeah, it's is very forgotten and um, cast out from society. Um, a lot is put on the like family dynamics. Uh, I believe it in the descriptions. Often, her mother is described as a kleptomaniac, alcoholic. Yep, that's her- that's a fair thing. Her father is a workaholic who's also a taxidermist. Yeah, what's up with There's that? There's some weird things happening with those birds. Uh, yeah, you're right. Like the whole, the whole family are just like weird people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, the important thing is that she is not in a healthy household. No, both of them are too obsessed with their hobbies and problems to pay attention to their child. Um, it it kind of gave me some like Matilda vibes a little bit with mm-hmm. her mom and dad. Like I feel like they had like very similar energy to the parents in that movie and book. Mm-hmm. Honestly, overall, I feel like this movie had really big Roald Dahl vibes. Like if you yeah. read like Roald Dahl's like short stories for adults that are like super dark, like it's it sort of has the same like kind of whimsy as his children's books, but like also really dark energy. Yeah. Um. Continue with the basic plot summary. Uh mary in seeking friendship and attention uh, ends up writing a pen pal letter to a random person she selected out of a random phone book um and that is a 44 year old jewish atheist man living in new york um who has at this time it was still described as asperger's i know there's Mm -hmm. a lot of feelings about that nowadays but that is what is described out in the in the film um, and so we just see these two's intertwining of their life through the letters and how their life ebbs and flows. Um, and a lot of kind of like the difficulties in maintaining relationships in a lot of ways. Mm. Um, and there's a lot of discuss. It's it's very much heavily discussion of mental well-being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we see them grow up and deal with different challenges to not get into too much too much spoilers there's a lot of challenges their lives aren't good 
no no they are not they both have really difficult lives like yeah. in some ways like comedically difficult lives like I think especially with Mary like she's definitely like that kind of like you know Eeyore type character just like with big bad luck just constantly follows her like every bad thing that could happen in her life just kind of does um, yeah and like one of she her herself main is very positive yeah one of her main curses is that she has a birthmark on her forehead and mm-hmm. she's when she's young enough that's why like the kids go <laughs> you've got a birthmark kids, kids are kids awful do. oh yeah no I, re- so. I really i yeah i i love the the friendship between these two characters because that that really is you know the crux of the whole movie you know, is that these two deeply lonely people on opposite sides of the world without even really meeting each other um, are able to help each other grow in such a wonderful way and that they, you know, are able to fix their, you know, deficiencies in each other just by being, being open and being honest and being, you know, wanting to have a friendship with each other. Um, I think it's a beautiful thing. I I, I like stories with, with unlikely friendships. Like, I think that's, Mm -hmm. I, I think those are are always interesting to see because you see how you know the things that that you know would you would think would repel to such people would actually bring them closer together um and I like that about them I like that Mary is like just she's a little bit too young and innocent to like fully get how strange by you know adult societal standards Max is and you know, I like how he, you know, despite being an adult, isn't condescending to her and her problems because he thinks that he sees them the way she does, like that they're real problems. Like he teaches her how to deal with bullies at her school, like in a way that I think she probably doesn't get that much adult attention. Uh, I mean, she definitely doesn't because her parents suck. Um, but, you know, I just I found myself just like almost instantly engaged with the two of them. Um Mm-hmm. helps that it, that's Philip, Philip Seymour Hoffman uh, doing Max's voice um, and a once she gets a little bit older it's Tony Collette as uh, as Mary uh, and both of them give just really wonderful voice performances yeah very good voice performances um, I think my my favorite part of the film is 100% the stylization of the different sets it's Ooh, yes. very stylized very I you know we use the term a lot because we love it dearly here, so it does influence a lot of the films we watch. It's got German expressionist vibes. Sure does. A lot of weird angles on things. Yes, weird angles, dark tones. Um, most everything in the film is a shade of uh, black, gray, brown, beige, mm. all like muddy tones. Except for like a few key details on our main characters and tongues. Well, see, tongues yeah. are very bright red. <laughs> I was gonna say it seems like the color red is is very prominent in in both. Uh, Max uh, has a hat with a with a red pom pom, mm-hmm. and uh, Mary has a red beret. Like there there are, and lipstick is red. Um, I I think red is definitely the color that they they chose to pop out. Um, yep, and that's really the only color. I think it is the only color that's depicted. It, at least strongly. Like everything is, it, there are there are other colors, but they're like, so they're muted and muddy and grays. Um, what I found interesting, um, and maybe I'm reading too much into this, but I noticed that uh, Max's New York City world, um, when we see him, is much more stark black and white versus Mary's world is more of that like sepia brown. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that sort of was an interesting way to look at 
both of their outlooks on life um, because Max has difficulties with social cues. Things for him are very black and white. That That is how he, he views the world is sort of strictly logical. Like people should do this, they shouldn't do that. Um, versus Mary, who doesn't really know what she wants out of life and just sort of lives in this kind of like blah misery. Um, so her her world is all this muddy sepias, browns, and, and shades of gray. Mm-hmm. And one of the first things we learn about her is her favorite color is brown. She's so weird. I I think I've said on the show how much I love weird kids, like how much I love like Lilo and Lilo and Stitch. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah, I just love like you know her talking about her like interests when she's a little kid and like she's weird. She's a weird kid and she doesn't fully understand how weird she is because she's eight and. The world an, hasn't like, broken her down yet into thinking yeah. her interests are weird. It's one of those endearing weirds. You're like, oh, kid. Yeah, well, because it doesn't hurt anyone. This is you know, adorable. right? Like, most normal kids don't like to drink condensed milk. Most normal kids don't have a pet rooster. Like, little, little Ethel. things. <laughs> I loved Ethel. Um, right, like, it's, I, I think a lot of us had, the, have or had those weird quirks as children. And then, like, whether intentionally or not, I think like life and growing up sort of has its way of like normalizing a lot of that out of us. You know, like some of that is just sort of the regular progression of life. Like you get older, like you don't do those things anymore. But like, I think some of it is just like society starts subconsciously influencing us towards more of a base norm. Um, but I, I love I love that portrayal of childhood weirdness, that just like unselfconscious strangeness. Yes. It's like the Spongebob episode in which Squidward requests that Spongebob becomes normal. So he becomes normal Bob and rounded and smooth as society wishes us to be. But truly, we are all these craggly and perfect beings. And that's the way we're stuck the way he was. (laughs) Exactly. No, we yeah, I I think I think that is the good way of putting is that, you know, both of both of these two characters, both Mary and Max, I think are unsmoothed people. They are not. They are not what you would expect uh, people in their life position to be. Mary's a weird little girl. Max is a neurodivergent adult. Like they do not fit into the tight boxes that society has set out for them. And that's why they're able to like talk to each other in such a wonderful open way. And I think that's another great thing for the use of stop motion in this and Mm. specifically in in Clay. um, Is everything is a little bit always changing because Clay is soft and is moldable um so their character shapes do change a little bit throughout the film um and also you can see like little imperfections in the clay and they're also in sticking with that impressionist thing the characters also have weird angles and weird shapes Mm -hmm. that aren't what we would expect of a normal person in animation so yeah, I like the 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 hyper level of character uh, caricature that you can get mm-hmm. with uh, this like, claymation style. Like, you know, they're they're not you don't you don't make beautiful people in claymation. Like, I'm sure it is possible, but I think it is difficult. Like, I think your proportions are always going to be kind of weird, um, and I think that that really helps for this. Like, the world mm-hmm. that we are seeing is weird. Like, the way the characters are shaped are not normal human shapes they are in 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 some ways they are almost grotesque but like Mm -hmm. there's something kind of beautiful about it looking grotesque like that's Mm -hmm. that's life in all its imperfect in all of its imperfectness like that you have these 
you know, faces that are so exaggerated as to be, you know, kind of inhuman. But what even is human? See, I told you I could get existential with this after I gave you an existential crisis with the adventures of Mark Twain. Uh, just for the fun fact about how, because we always talk about how claymation and stop motion overall is much, in some ways, much longer and harder process than mm-hmm. other traditional animations. Uh, this principal photography, 57 weeks. So that's just for oh. shooting the film. Uh, 133 sets. Oh my gosh. Wow. 212 puppets. That's a lot of puppets. Yeah, it's a ton of puppets. Wow. And 475 miniature props, including the typewriter that Max uses, is fully functioning and took nine weeks to design by itself. You're joking. Fully fun. Why? Why would you bother with that, though? Hey, uh, you've met some wild film students, right? Who just go, yeah, I'm going to do that. And then they hyperfixate for nine weeks. Okay, yeah, no, I know exactly how this happened. Carry on. <laughs> I mean, the uh, typewriter, so the, I, I can, the typewriter is, you know, very much a hero prop in this story because, like, a good half of the movie is just Max typing on it and narrating from there. So I can see the advantage of wanting to make sure it looks really precise on those close-ups. Yeah, and it looks really good. Uh, secondary fun fact, uh, this film is predominantly in english it is technically counted as being partially in yiddish there were a few yiddish words in there yeah i liked i liked max's uh portrayal of his judaism mm-hmm. kind of a kind of a fun a fun take on it Katz's deli is in the background of one of the scenes oh really i should take a look mm-hmm. huh. no i really enjoyed uh one of max's weird quirks is that he is an atheist jew uh, but he continues to wear his kippah because it protects his brain (laughs) yeah maybe it was keeps his brain warm i think it's something keep warm maybe or or maybe keeps his brain warm i think it was it was brain we got there together yes to get together we remember i don't know i i watched this movie last night i should have a stronger recollection of it than i do i just i don't know i i just remember you know how much i enjoyed it like yeah, and I think I think it, I think you you picked well for me, Katie. I don't know how much you were thinking about the sort of things that I enjoy. Um, but this is like the even like the kind of humor is like right up my alley. Like there's like the scene where Max uh, unexpectedly wins the lottery and gives most of his money to his elderly neighbor who immediately dies in a uh, jetpack accident. Like there's all the death in this movie is dumbly tragic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, like when uh, when when Mary's father died, um, like w- there was like a, a like a dark poem on his grave. Like, he, mm-hmm. like what, what what was it like? Some something about him drown because he drowns. But like here, here God. lies Noel. Oh God. Yeah, it was something he drowned. Yeah, it, right. It was like some some rhyme. Like I I just remember seeing that. Like whoa, like that is that is so dark. Every grave we see has a rhyme on it. <laughs> oh, I think I think I only clocked that one, but I'm not I'm not surprised. The first one has a poem for the grandfather, and that was in the narration also. Then they continued that with the dad got a poem and the mom got a poem. It's it's great. It's it's yeah, like all right, all the all the death in the in the movie is uh, yeah, like just kind of like a little bit absurd. Like I I think. I, I think there it's it almost feels like they're they are poking fun at 
how seriously we take life when death is so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's definitely poking a lot of fun at modern human conceptions of uh, expectations of life and in some places mm-hmm. in death. Yeah, because I think but right, also everyone rest is... in peace, all the Henrys. <laughs> I do have a question. Yes. How long do roosters live? How old not, is Ethel? Not as long as we see Mary growing up, because it's at least 10 years, probably more. Like, because she starts as an eight-year-old girl, and by the end of it, she's married and has had a baby. Like, it, she's at least 20. She, we, so we see her go through college and then graduate school. Like, mm-hmm. she's... On average, roosters can live between five to eight years. However, in captivity, when they are properly cared for, their average lifespan increases to 10 to 15 years. However, I do not think Ethel was properly cared for. You know what? The power of love is a beautiful thing. That could be a 15-year-old rooster. I believe that. Yeah, that was my only thing that I came out of the film for a second in question. I was like, how old is that rooster? So, Katie, when did when did you first see this movie? How did, how did it get brought to your attention? I actually don't think i ever wound up fully seeing it it'd been floating in my list of claymation dark animation to watch for a long time frankly it was one of those films for a while that i just didn't have access to because these Mm. foreign older animated films but not like too old if you go like a little older they're easier to get for some reason yeah like like middle ground fully on uh, youtube but if you yeah. go into that middle ground where there's too much animation in existence, it can be a little hard to find. Mm. Thank you for Tubi for existing and being free. Oh, was this on Tubi? I, I ended up renting it from Amazon. It was on Tubi. Ah, uh, darn it. I should have just gone to Tubi. That's uh, okay. I had I had credits from like being willing to accept my Amazon boxes like two days later. So like I usually stack up enough digital credits that like any movie I want to rent, I can basically rent for free. We want to talk about how life is weird. I just want to interject with the uh, every episode cat watch. Um, my cat is currently chewing the wood baseboards of my apartment. Don't you feed him? He free feeds. He can eat whenever he wants. There's food right He's here. He's just, he just chewing the crotch. He's, he, he has access at this moment to all of the food. And he is yes, of that yes. food. He is choosing to chomp on wood. Your cat is so weird. Yeah. I love your cat. My, I, my cat since a kitten, I've been convinced has cat pika pika cat pika pika it's the thing where pika. kids want to put anything in their mouth where they want in my to... day we just called that an oral fixation yeah but it's more like they'll eat any it's kids who will like eat rocks they just like they have this weird neuron firing that tells them eat the thing that's not edible <laughs> cat has it he really likes to chomp on wood that's been the cat watch of the episode I I love Catwatch. Please make Catwatch a regular thing. Hashtag Catwatch. Well, he's named after a cartoon, so he, he can fit in the time machine. Is he named after a cartoon, or is he, like, three degrees of separation from being named after a cartoon? The character he is named after showed up in The Legends of Vox Machina. Okay, yeah, no, I'll give it to you. Did you name oh, yeah, him after think- the character in Vox Machina, or did you name him after the, character the same character? We're very. That's off topic. fair. That's fair. He's a good little traveler. Yeah. <laughs> Any other feelings on uh, this weird claymation I made you watch? 
I mean, keep them coming, man. I think that's that's really well, my don't main worry. thing. I have the next one ready. That's of a very similar mi- area. Might make you cry again. I'm an easy crier. I was I was very you know the, as as you might imagine, the film has a very bittersweet ending, mm-hmm. um, but sweeter than I thought. Like I thought, mm-hmm. like I think I think this movie has a really solid grasp on tone. Like I think we talk a lot about movies that and TV shows even that have tone problems. This movie really knows what tone it's trying to hit from the very start. Like this movie knows what it wants to be. It knows the kind of story it wants to tell. It knows these characters really well. Like these characters really do feel like fully fleshed out. Like you could, you know, these are people you could just encounter in your life. Apparently I saw her on the Wikipedia, the director based it on his actual pen pal relationship with an unnamed guy. Um, who for I think reasons laid out very well in the film is probably for the best that unnamed guy remains so. Yeah. But I I think not only does it have a good grasp on the tone in some ways like shifting us back to like the slightly like bittersweet parts from but it's kind of like it's showing us the fork in the road consistently of like life diverges many different paths. Um, but in some ways like this ability to there's a lot of admitting, learning to admit mistakes and maintain right. your relationships and the importance of learning how to properly maintain a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, but also how you don't have to conform yourself to society standards in order to maintain friendships and relationships. That we curve away from the tragic ending it shows us coming back to the bittersweet ending. Well, this happens a couple times, I'd say, that we see tragedy swerve over. Yeah. Yeah, I think right. I'm I think... just glad they didn't fall into the trope I thought they were gonna fall into with our good friend neighbor Len. Um when, what did you think was gonna happen? At last when he went to cross the street to return to his home, I was like, I swear to god, if he gets hit with a car right now, <laughs> I'm leaving. That that would have been that would have been just too but, sad. But the thing is, they show us that coming because you hear the car honk off screen, but you see it stop in time and him go fast enough. I'm just like, oh, we're really playing up like different. We're playing the butterfly effect game. Boom. Butterfly. Boom, butterfly effect. effect. I hope that timed up great in the audio because it timed up great on my end. It did for me too. I think it's going to sound okay. Ah, fantastic. Well, yeah, I think uh, I think that kind of about does it. Anything else you want to add to this conversation? It's, it's definitely the perfect the length for a movie. It's yes. ninety minutes. Yes, thank God for ninety-minute movies. More movies, be ninety minutes. You don't need more. Like this thing told an incredibly emotionally complex story in ninety minutes. You do not need a second more. Exactly ninety minutes, depending on the format. Two hours, done. You're cut off. I, I think more movies should take that to heart. I mean, right, like this this is an incredibly complex emotional story between two characters and you did not need it. Like, there's no fat on this. Like, this is a perfect no. mixed use of every second. Um, Pacing is great. It is. I mean, and it's, you know, it's a simple story. Not a whole lot actually happens. Like, if you're like to write out like the things that happen in the movie, it's not that much, but it doesn't need to be. It's a, it's a character study. And it's yeah. great. Definitely... Definitely recommend if you're a fan of kind of quirky stop motion, some black comedy, some feels. If you're ready to, if you're ready to be feelsed, uh, this is this is the movie for you. Because I got 
I, I think I think my text to you immediately after watching is like, how dare you make me feel feelings? I yeah. The funny part is I woke up to it at six a.m. <laughs> it actually That's didn't it. even give me the notification. It just wanted to make sure you could wake up with it. Yeah. All right. Well, I think uh, that just about does it. Uh, we're going to pop back into our cartoon time machine and use it to visit our own pen pal. Uh, we have we have two in Norway. Uh, we should probably go talk to them at some point. They haven't we haven't sent them letters in ever and they don't, might not even know that we're pen pals. So we should we should probably fix that. Yeah. Pen pals is a really weird concept in the modern day and age in some ways but mostly because I'm just like, I feel like I'm going to get catfished. I mean, because... we, we could get, we, we could get catfished by our pen pal in Norway, but I think for them, it's more of like a pickled herring. Please take us out of the episode. <laughs> I'm Scarlett. I'm Katie. We're your animates and we will see you next time. <laughs>